Hello from Bear and Kura, a podcast from the Land of Oz Information Services. I love you, Kura. I love you, Bear. This is episode 56 of the Bear and Kura podcast. We're going to talk about disability. Can you describe your disability and how it affects your daily life? It doesn't, well, it doesn't affect my daily life. My problem is, is severe bursitis. The bursa is the tissue that surrounds the hips and and kind of provides a, a cushion so that you don't have so much pain, and it with me, it's just almost non-existent. And it's in your hip socket, right? Um, in that area uh, where where the two bones come together. Okay. It makes climbing stairs almost impossible, and making walking difficult, and which is. Walking is something that I do, not necessarily for my physical health, but more for my mental health. Mm -hmm. So it makes that more difficult to do without some kind of anti-inflammatory or pain medicine. It it affects you quite a bit, too, if you're walking at an uphill angle, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess you've noticed that, and I never really paid attention. Yeah, because, well, downhill doesn't seem too bad. It's more uphill, I've noticed. Yeah. Um, that's, I guess that's kind of like climbing stairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you? How would you describe your disability? Uh, my disability would be uh, me being below the knee amputee. Uh, basically, about uh, on my right leg, about six inches below my knee is completely gone. It affects my daily life every every way pretty much uh for me to get up and around i need my prosthetic if i'm not using my prosthetic i have access to a a walker or an e-scooter in the house what is a prosthetic my prosthetic prosthetic is basically it's a false limb that's connected to the bottom part of my stump or residual limb i know you don't like calling it a stump so we'll refer to it as a residual limb which basically is left over from after the amputation. So the prosthetic is basically a, uh, a mechanized foot, uh, leg. It doesn't bend at the ankle. It'll, it flexes, but it doesn't bend on its own, obviously. Uh, and it's basically attached to a vacuum pump and a sleeve. Like I said, and then when I'm not wearing that, I have access to the walker knee scooter. The knee scooter I use primarily, primarily most of the time when I'm at home. I could use crutches, but I find the knee scooter to be much more, uh, much easier to use in the house. So, In fact, I don't think I've seen you use crutches ever. Yeah, it's not by choice. I mean, I, I was good on crutches when I had knee surgery as a kid, but I, I, the knee scooter is just so much easier to use. So it gives me, with the basket on the front, I can... I can do more than one thing. Even using the walker is uh, more difficult than the scooter. 
You, you do get around really well with that scooter. Mm-hmm. Oh. Thank you. That was a Christmas gift from you when you're... <laughs> yeah. Like you said yeah. earlier in the week at that appointment, I'm like a wizard on the scooter. <laughs> yeah. So, not, you know, a lot of practice at it. How has your disability impacted your education, employment, and other aspects of your life? Uh, well, I was already out of school when it happened, so it really didn't affect my education. Um, employment, it's made things some, some things difficult, but I've been adaptable to it. I really didn't miss much time when it happened. I think I was actually, we'll be coming up on my 11-year anniversary of it, um, the 20th of this month. I was, I lost it March 20th, and I was back to work, like, by August, so I missed five months of work because of it, and then I was back to work. I didn't go back full-time, but came back. Uh, my job requires that I'm on my feet quite a bit, or foot, haha. Um, so, I mean, it's just, you know, I did weight limit, but it's still, I mean, it doesn't really affect me there, but it probably should more than I allow it to, but I'm hard-headed and stubborn. Trying to think how else it would have really affect. I mean, do you have anything off the top of your head that you can think of? Well, pretty much every aspect of your daily life. Yeah, everything. I mean, there's sports that I gave up doing because of it that I just. Um, you 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 can't you you won't golf. I I won't let you golf. Yeah, you won't let me because golf. you could step in a hole. And a, a normal person who has feeling, you know, has a foot that they can feel, will know that they stepped in a hole. But unless you are looking down, mm -hmm. you, you would never know. Yeah. It's not probably one of the safer things for me to do. So it's easier. As much as I miss it and would love to go do it, yeah, I just don't. But, I mean, we we go and play putt-putt, so that's different. But uh gives me a little bit of taste of golf. And you seem to enjoy it quite a bit, so... Other things, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it does affect every every part of my daily life. Uh, I try not to to uh, dwell on it because I'm not going to feel sorry for myself, and I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me. So I try to not to let it be a disability, even though it is. And it took me a long time for me to even admit that, and you you can attest to that. I don't like being labeled disabled. How has yours affected your daily life? Well. Let me make another comment on, on your disability. Okay. It affects you in ways that you just, you can't possibly imagine. After I had the, um, the gallbladder burst in the surgery, a few weeks after, when I was starting to, to actually feel better, I had a low glucose uh, event my blood sugar went dangerously low and during that process i fell down and um, injured my ankle pretty badly and uh, i woke up and and called for you and it took you I, I don't know five or six minutes to put on your prosthetic and get to me and that was a very, very long time. I'm sorry. Um, so it, there, there's things like that that um, you just don't 
you, you don't think about until it happens. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I worry, what if the house caught on fire? How long would it take you to 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 get your prosthetic on and get out? Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. I, I know those aren't daily events, but when it's when it's a big thing like that, um, t- time matters. Yeah. And I can't imagine you wanting to leave the house without your prosthetic. No, it'd be it'd be one of the first things I'd grab, to be honest with you. And then probably the cats. Yeah. Yeah. And you. <laughs> I don't think I could pick you up and carry you out, though. But yeah, you're you're right. I mean, it's it's everything's a chore, you know. And I'm not complaining. I'm not bitching about it. I've done enough of that on here about it. But it is. I mean, it it does put things into perspective. And I, I kind of constantly, instead of playing a pity party on myself, I have to remind myself that there are people out there who have it a lot worse. Yeah, I suppose no matter what you're faced with, it could always be worse. Mm-hmm. You have to put that in perspective. Yeah. I, there, there's a saying that I like to use. I was sad because I had no shoes until I met a man who had no legs. Mm-hmm. It's It's all a matter of perspective. Yeah. As far as how it's affected me, my well, my education hasn't affected that at all. Like you, it was much later in my life. Uh, employment, I've had, in my previous job, I worked in a downtown building on, I don't know, the third or fourth floor, or maybe. I, it seemed like forever when they had a, uh, when there was a fire in the building and uh, when when the fire alarms go off the um, elevators turn off too mm-hmm. so the only way you can get down is to climb the stairs and four floors of stairs just killed me even though going back go, going down uh, I, I can't imagine going up four flights of stairs it just it's not possible yeah. Thankfully, when they had cleared the building and they said it was okay for everyone to come back in, they had turned the elevators back on. And I waited a very long time for my turn at the elevator, but that's that's what I did. Yeah. As far as daily aspects, um, again, I'll say I, I like to walk. It, it brings me joy, uh, but it also brings me pain, too. Have you faced any challenges or discrimination related to your disability? Um, yeah, I, well, that's hard to, hard to say. Probably um, there's certain things that I know that I just can't do, so I try not to put myself in those positions to face it, I guess. Well, that's not the right way to say that. Um, I don't think I've been discriminated at work because of it, but I know I have, but I couldn't probably come up with I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I know people look at me sometimes at work like, oh, well, we can do that. You you can't handle that. And then I surprise them when I can. Uh, but like I said, a lot of times it's my own stubbornness or ego that gets in the way. And that's generally when it comes to lifting heavy things and stuff like that. And my coworkers have to tell me, you know, hey, cool it. You need help with that or we'll, we'll do it for you. Like I said, that's generally my ego or pride getting in the way. How about you? Do you 
you think you've been discriminated or no it's it's not it's not something that interferes with my work yeah but i i'm a computer programmer and i can sit all day long and mm. type away at the computer and it doesn't affect my work at all yeah well that's good um, yeah they, my... they do offer us um the kind of workstations that you can both stand and sit at that they'll go up and down but i i don't want one of those i can't stand for very long at all it would be of no benefit to me yeah no because one of your things with your bursitis isn't it because your your legs will go numb no that's that's a different thing oh okay that, that's some kind of nerve damage if and I, it's not related if I stand to... in one place for and that's not related to the bursitis N no oh, okay. it, it's only on one side so you have like two almost disabilities then i suppose but the the nerve problem as long as i'm moving it, it isn't a problem it's when i have to stand still for 10 minutes or so um i lose all the feeling in that leg hmm. it's like i could I could stab myself with a knife and not know it. Oh, really? I guess it's a little like having a prosthetic. Oh, wow. Except you stab me, I'm not going to feel it or anything, because all I was going to do is to stab a fake leg. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. play a good party, party joke, I guess. <laughs> good party prank. <laughs> like I always say, it's like when I go, whenever I've traveled and get on a plane, if I'm wearing pants, but I generally, I generally try to wear shorts if I'm traveling, going through a... Uh, the metal detectors, I just, I tell them, you're going to put me through that, <clears throat> I'm going to light it up like a Christmas tree, so it's better just to wand me off the bat, because every bell and whistle goes off whenever I try to mm -hmm. go through one of those, so it's just easier to mention it up front. And when they see you in shorts and walking towards them in their prostate, they just automatically get out the, wand. the wand and, yeah, and, and it's just, direct it's e you through the, the scanner. Yeah, it's just easier, you know, it's less conversation, so... Mm -hmm. <laughs> And you've even done that in the dead of the winter when you really shouldn't be wearing shorts just, just to to show that. Oh, yeah. Or if I even know if I'm going somewhere where it's really, really crowded, it could be sub-zero temperatures and I'll wear shorts just because if I'm in a, an area with a large crowd, I, I, I prefer that people see it so they have an idea of kind of like not make way, but they're aware, they, they can be aware of, me being them around them, so kind of mm -hmm. just giving people a heads up without wearing a sign. Yeah. How um, have you overcome your challenges? How I've okay. Um, I've just worked really hard to um, not let it affect me. I'm proud of the way I walk. I'm I'm really proud of my gait. That sounds strange to people who probably have never witnessed limb loss, but I try to walk without a limp or a shuffle, or like any kind of hitch in my giddy-up, I guess, so. And that's very true. You've always been very proud of that, and that's probably why you have to wear shorts on some occasions, because otherwise people wouldn't even know that you have a prosthetic. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I get it. I get it when people meet me for the first time, and if I'm wearing pant like if like a new co-worker comes in or something like that they might not figure it out or how you have to tell them before they even do figure out until they see me in shorts and then a lot of times people are flabbergasted they're like what oh my gosh you know i i take some and it sounds weird uh some enjoyment out of that that i that i can cover it up that well 
Timothy, have you had any challenges that you need to overcome because of it? Mm, just that mainly I have to deal with the pain. If I do want to go for a walk, I need to take an analgesic about half an hour before to give it time to take effect before what do you I, take? Like I go for that walk. Hmm? Uh, what's that? What do you take, Shen? Like Tylenol, whatever? Uh, Tylenol is not an analgesic. Well, it's, 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 it's pain reliever, but it's not an anti-inflammatory. Oh, okay. The best for that is a leave. Okay. Um, however, I am also supposed to avoid um, In NSAIDs. And uh, Aleve is a really big inset. Yeah, and that's to prevent kidney damage, right? Yes, kidney damage. Okay. Do you have any tips or strategies for managing your disability on a daily basis? Um, my thing is, it's it's not going to go away, so you have to make the best out of it. You can sit and whine about it, but like I said, it's like when I when I first lost my leg, you know, it's either. I could sit and mope around about it and let it can control me or I can control it. It's not going to grow back no matter how much I want it to or wish it to. It's not going to grow back. So instead of just wallowing around and feeling bad for myself, um, which I've done in the past, I'm not going to say I haven't. You, you have to, you know, grab it by the reins and, and take care of it. There are some tricks that you do that I don't even think you realize you do anymore. You always, when you don't have your prosthetic on, you either have the a walker or the knee scooter, and you always put it right in your way. Mm -hmm. So when you stand up, you won't forget that you don't have your prosthetic on and just fall right over again. Yeah, and I've learned that the hard way. And I learned that pretty quick after I lost my leg. And you're right, it's like when I first lost it, I would, even now, uh, Whenever I go to bed or take a nap, I set it right in my way. So I'm either, there's no way I'm going to miss it. I'm going to trip over it <laughs> before I fall and hit the ground. So, but yeah, that's one of the tricks that I learned right away. Was there any tricks that you do with your bursitis? Just, just taking the pain medicine long before I need it. Yeah. Well, you, I know that you, you get up and out of the car a certain way. Oh yeah, I guess that's true when I was going to physical therapy for it, they taught me when I, when I get in the car, I open the door and I stand sort of in, in the doorway and just sort of fall into the seat. Mm -hmm. And then I swivel my legs around. Mm -hmm. Most people will put one foot in and, and twist themselves as they, they get in the car. And I don't do it that way. That, that, that hurts. Yeah. And, and then I do the opposite when I get out. I swivel in my seat and put my feet on the ground outside the car and then stand up. So we need to install like a bar stool in the car. So <laughs> I can, suppose. So you can turn or like a, like a pilot's chair. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess it is a trick. that It's just so automatic now. I, I don't even think about having to do it. Yeah. Can I just say something? You are so damn adorable. <laughs> so, I just had to throw that in there. Sorry, guys. I'll have to cut that part out. No, no, we got to keep that. What are some common misconceptions about disabilities that you wish people understood better? 
Mm, probably the biggest one is about dis disabled parking. I, I think a lot of people just don't think that it's needed or they they don't they don't understand they think it's like a, a, some kind of benefit and and it's not and it's like we we get like prime parking because of a <laughs> for no reason at all like it's not a it's not a disability is that like what you're trying to say like people uh, pe people don't they don't respect it no a, a lot of people park who shouldn't uh, I think some of them have acquired a placard from somebody else. Although I will admit, you cannot tell by looking what kind of disability somebody has. Oh, you you've witnessed people yelling at me before. Yeah. Uh, when 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 I get a side glance from that, I I want to say, look, uh, I'll give up the the handicap parking, and you can pay my medical bills. Mm -hmm. How's that? Is that a fair trade? Mm -hmm. I, I never confront people, but no, um, I've I've been confronted before, and it's funny because most of the times, if I'm it's I'm wearing pants, and people should run out and what are you doing parking there? You know, it does, and then I'll just lift up my pant leg, and it's always hilarious seeing the look on their face after they see that I'm below the knee amputee, but not once have I got an apology. But it just I just chuckle it off. I'm just, you know, but you're correct. There's a lot of people who park illegally that shouldn't do it. And I witness that at work all the time. And that's if, if they had to put up with the pain and inconvenience that we do, they would understand better, I guess. Yeah. Or know someone that's close to them that actually has a disability. How have you found support and community within the disability? Well, when I lost my leg, you actually did some research online. We used to go to an amputee support group meeting that was actually put on by um, the hospital that uh, where I had my amputation take place. Uh, we went there for the first few months, and it was just uh, it was nice going and meeting other people that could kind of relate to what you were going through. But that also opened up my eyes to what I was going through. First off, wasn't unordinary, but it also put into perspective that there are people there who do have it a lot worse. Uh, we met people there who were missing multiple limbs, hands, arms, above the knee, both legs. And that's, that's when you, you realize, oh, well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just missing part of my leg. <laughs> Especially that one woman who both of her hands were amputated. Mm-hmm. And I think one of her legs. I, I, my, I can't imagine how my life would be so different if that happened to me. Oh, I mean, you wouldn't be able to do what you do now for a living. Yeah, I, w I wouldn't be able to do my work. Well, not without aid. A, a lot of some kind of assistance. Mm -hmm. And you certainly couldn't do your work. No. No, and then I wouldn't be able to draw. And, you know, like right now, I'm on a hiatus of that. I, that would drive me crazy, I, I really think. Mm. When I do draw and sketch, that's normally when I'm depressed. It's kind of like my uh, own therapy. And I imagine I'd be pretty depressed and <laughs> upset if I did lose my hands or arms. So I don't know. That would be absolutely crushing.
Did you ever read Johnny Got His Gun when you were in school? I think so. It, it was about, um, I think it was World War II. I think he was a World War I vet, but yeah. World War I, could, who lost his arms and his legs and his face. Mm-hmm. And it was written from his perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how he detected, you know, when, when it was day and when it was night and what was going on around him. And, and um, I believe he knew Morse code and a nurse figured out that he was trying to do Morse code and she asked him to, to tell, tell her how he felt. And he just goes on and on and on and you, you, you figure out you think, kill me. That, that he's gone insane. Yeah. Doesn't he say, just ki- kill me, kill me, kill me, kill well, me? Well, uh, there, there's a movie based on the book, which the, the character does that, but that doesn't actually happen in the book. Oh, okay. I know that Metallica did a really popular song about that movie. And Yeah, they did a, a, some scenes from that movie. Yeah. So, so, yeah, it could always be a lot worse. Yeah. What are some of the things that you wish society was better at accommodating for people with disabilities? I I wish people could walk a mile in my shoes. Thank you. <laughs> I I think they would I think they would have a whole different perspective. So you wish society had more empathy? I, yeah, um there's a lot of people who um selfish they they only think of themselves. They don't put themselves in other people's shoes. They consider everyone else to be an inconvenience, I think. Mm-hmm. And disabled people most of all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can always tell when you're getting the side glances or you hear the the uh, the, the sighs or the, the roll. You can always hear the rolling of the eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but yeah, you, you know, and just you, let them... Spend a day, you know, or just just be aware of you're not the center of the universe and that there is other things going on around you. And there are, I, I wouldn't say positive experiences, but there are uh, often when you're wearing your prosthetic and a young child sees you and, you know, their parents say, oh, shh, don't, don't stare. Mm-hmm. Um I'm. I mean, it's a, it's a learning opportunity for them, and it's okay to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Well, you've helped me with that. Like, like, like when we went to the zoo the other day, I'll see kids, and you know, and the parents will like try to, no, 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 like they hush them up, and and I, what do I normally do is I, you can attest to this. I'm like, no, it's okay to let them talk about it. They give the questions and. Or I'll say, it's okay, honey, or, you know, like that little girl got upset the other day. She was there with her mom. Her little sister thought, was looking at me smiling. And I believe it was just, they were young, but the little girl got upset. And I'm like, it's okay, nothing's going to, and the mom was really cool. She's like, it's okay. And I'm, and I'm like, it's n- not going to hurt you. you know, I'm fine. I get up just, you know, like anyone else does. But, you know, it's, I don't think it helps when parents are, they try to hush them up and push them away because all it does, like is, it's something shameful. Yeah, it's it's not, and it stigmatizes it, and it's just they need to know about it. So you know, it's it's 
part of life, and I'm not going to be the only person that they're ever going to see in that situation. So, but I think a lot of times that it just shows how uncomfortable the parent is. So you need to treat the young kids really. Yeah, imagine how uncomfortable that kid parent's going to be when it comes to talk about sex. Yeah. I would bet it's not going to happen. No. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It's too bad. I, I remember a episode of The Twilight Zone where there is uh, a scene with an American soldier who's talking with his buddies about how terrible the Japanese are. And then they switch to the Japanese troop or whatever you call their, their, their soldiers. And they're talking about how terrible the Americans are. And then all of a sudden, the, the two guys swap bodies and, and realize that it's not as black and white as, as they thought it was. Mm -hmm. The Twilight Zone is always a, a, a series that likes to throw different perspectives on the floor and and, mm -hmm. and force people to, to, to look at it. Yeah, make them think about it. Science fiction lets you do that. Yes, that's very true. And uh, I really do, in some ways, I wish people could read other people's minds and and find out, you know, what, the, what they really are thinking mm -hmm. and, and how their lives really are. Yeah, well, I agree. Well, this wasn't the worst episode we've ever done. I mean, it wasn't the most depressing. You you would think it would be, but I, I guess we've come to grips with it. Yeah, I mean, I think this would have been a lot different 10 years ago. Yeah, it probably wouldn't have even been on our list of topics. Well, I mean, like even like right after it happened to me, I think this would have had a completely different tone. You know what I mean? Saying if I was just one year into my amputation, I think this could have been a lot different. But I think that, like, I, I know I could speak for it. I think I've come to grips with it pretty well. I do have my down moments about it, like a few months ago when I was having a hard time healing up with the wound. But that was more of just being stuck in the house, not being able to get up and utilize my prosthetic. So, you know, not everything's always sun, sunshine and rainbows. But... But you learn to live with it. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks for your support, because you helped me a lot through that. You know, I think I kind of caught you off guard that I was that getting that upset about it. But you helped me quite a bit by telling me to keep my chin up and that I've, I, uh, I've been through worse and I made it through and this wasn't going to be any different. So without your support, I think it would have been a lot more difficult this time around. Well, I recall when... You first had the amputation done. Um, you said something. We hadn't been, we hadn't known each other for very long, a couple of months, a few months at most. Mm -hmm. And you said, um, you know, um, I'm, I'm glad you stayed with me. But it frankly never occurred to me not to. Yeah. I mean, what kind of person would do that? You'd be surprised. I mean, I mean, we started seeing each other in November, and I lost my leg in March. But I knew you were a keeper from that point on. I thought you were a keeper already, but I didn't expect you really to, to hang around because, I mean, it was such a life-changing thing. I'm happy you did, and I didn't, I didn't expect you to skip out. 
but I knew that it'd be, this would be a, a, a mountain that both of us would need to climb together. And you took it on full, wholeheartedly and, and helped me. I mean, we weren't living together. You got to meet all my friends and family then, really. And um, Possibly one thing that made a difference is when I was in college, I were going to say how gorgeous I am. Services there. <laughs> it, it was a part-time job, but I mainly pushed people in the wheelchairs and helped them with their reading and things like that. So it wasn't a new thing to me. Yeah, pushing you around in the wheelchair was <laughs> something I was very familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it was just my my over-the-top good looks that made you stick around. Oh, that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm such a gem. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> well, I suppose we've run this topic out. Okay, so what's your favorite joke this week, Bear? What is my favorite joke? Why is gravity so cheap? Why is gravity so cheap? Because it's mass-produced. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> All right. We hope you've enjoyed episode 56 of the Bear and Kura podcast. This is Bear. And Kura. Goodbye. Goodbye. You have been listening to the Bear and Kura podcast, a production of the Land of Oz Information Services. We can be contacted via email using the address podcast at oz.com. And Oz is spelled A-W-E-S. This show is part of the Pride 48 Network. Find all the best shows under the rainbow at pride48.com.